0: Hey, it's Mike, and this podcast is brought to you by my books. Seriously, though, it actually is. I make my living as a writer, so as long as I keep selling books, I can keep writing articles over at Muscle for Life and Legion and recording podcasts and videos like this and all that fun stuff. Now, I have several books, but the place to start is Bigger, Leaner, Stronger if you're a guy and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger if you're a girl. Now, these books, they basically teach you everything you need to know about dieting, training, and supplementation to build muscle, lose fat, and look and feel great without having to give up all the foods you love or grind away in the gym every day doing workouts that you hate. Now, you can find my books everywhere. You can buy books online like Amazon, Audible, iBooks, Google Play, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and so forth. And if you're into audiobooks like me, you can actually get one of my books for free, one of my audiobooks for free with a 30-day free trial of Audible. To do that, go to muscleforlife.com forward slash audiobooks. That's www.muscleforlife.com forward slash audiobooks. And you can see how to do this. Now, also, if you like my work in general, then I really think you're going to like what I'm doing with my supplement company, Legion. Now, As you probably know, I'm not a fan of the supplement industry. I mean, I've wasted who knows how many thousands of dollars over the years on worthless supplements that really do nothing and i've always had trouble finding products that i actually thought were worth buying and recommending and well basically i had been complaining about this for years and i decided to finally do something about it and start making my own products and not just any products but really the exact products that i myself have always wanted so a few of the things that make my supplements unique are one they're 100% naturally sweetened and flavored two all ingredients are backed by peer-reviewed scientific research that you can verify for yourself because on our website we explain why we've Chosen Each ingredient and we also cite all supporting studies so you can go dive in and check it out for yourself three all ingredients are also included at clinically effective dosages which are the exact dosages used in the studies proving their effectiveness this is important of course because while something like creatine is proven to help improve strength and help you build muscle faster if you don't take enough then you're not going to see the benefits that are seen in scientific research. And four, there are no proprietary blends, which means that you know exactly what you're buying. All our formulations are 100% transparent, both with the ingredients and the dosages. So you can learn more about my supplements at that's www.legionathletics.com. And if you like what you see and you want to buy something, use the coupon code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and you'll save 10% on your order. All right. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to my podcast, and let's get to the show. Hey, hey everyone, this is Mike, and I'm back with another episode of the Muscle for Life podcast. And in this episode, I interview Brett Contreras, who's a scientist, author, coach, and really one of the leaders of the evidence-based fitness movement and an all-around pretty cool dude to boot. Now, if you've heard of Brett already, you probably know him as the glute guy that can teach you everything you need to know about building a great butt. And while that's true, that's not what I wanted to talk to him about because, well, I figured he might enjoy a change of pace. So that's why this interview is about something else altogether. In it, I chat with Brett about nutrition and exercise science and get his thoughts on all kinds of things ranging from what makes for good and bad science to how to become more scientific in your own thinking to his favorite researchers and labs and how to reconcile conflicting studies and more. And I wanted to do this interview because these days there are more and more fitness, quote unquote, gurus that are appealing to science to sell their ideas and sell their products and services and so forth. And it's just getting harder and harder for everyday people to distinguish the hucksters from the genuine articles. So I hope you find Brett's thoughts on these subjects insightful. And here's the interview. Brett, thanks for coming on the show. I'm excited to have you. Thanks, Mike. I'm excited as well. Yeah, no, it was great talking. You know, before it's 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 fun to meet people that are like minded, and like we were saying, it's kind of hard to come across sometimes in this space. So I'm looking forward to our conversation
1: here. Me too. I think we could have spoken for three hours, and that could have been a, maybe that's, that could have been I
0: another should. podcast. It would have been like random thoughts on random things, but somebody would have found it. At least somebody would have laughed a few times.
1: We may have had to censor out a few things.
0: <laughs> nah, nah, who cares? Whatever, just put the explicit <laughs> label on it and move on. Uh, all right, so let's get into this talk, which is uh, going to be on the subject of—I mean, we don't have to say actually exercise science because even nutrition science is, is can be confusing to people. But you know, if we look at the the health and fitness space on the whole, we're seeing more and more people that are appealing to science to sell their ideas and their methodologies. And I think this is good on the whole. Um, I think it's a, at least it's a good trend, but it also is, is creating a lot of confusion for just, you know, everyday people that are looking to get into shape because on the surface, when, if you're just like somebody who doesn't really know that much and you're trying to educate yourself, it might seem that science supports all kinds of conflicting opinions and methodologies and ideas about how to eat and train and supplement. And the average person is not, they're not able, they don't know much about scientific research. So it's not like they can just dive in and form their own judgments on, you know, what was, what's right and wrong. And it's easy then just to get lost. And like, who do I listen to? What, you know, who's, what science is good and what science is bad. And so I get, I get asked about this fairly often, so much so that I actually, um, later in the year, I would like to, excuse me, something I would love to talk to you about actually. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, produce a, a simple kind of course to just increase people's scientific literacy a little bit and help them understand a bit more about how research is conducted and designed and conducted. And, and, you know, just for the people that really want to be able to uh, go to the next step of educating themselves. But um Anyways, this is here. Here's a. This is our initial foray into it. So I was going to kind of pass it over to you. So why is it? Why does? Why is this? I wouldn't say it's just exercise too. I'd say nutrition as well, because you have guys like Gary Taubes out there who says now that like anyone that talks about calories in, calories out is basically a quack, and this is like you know these are the relics of a uh, our scientific, our the the ignorant past, and now we know it's all about insulin or this that or whatever. And so that confuses people and then, you know, it just kind of goes on from there, right? Like if we're still arguing about energy balance, then we can
1: argue about everything. So there's so many aspects to this question. Yeah. And we can talk the whole time on this. It's so important. Yep. And it's such a, and and it's something I think (laughs) there's nothing out there. So I agree. There does need to be a product of, of, put together an outline already on oh, really? how, how to become more scientific and smart. so the, the one thing i want to say right off the bat is think about when you first started lifting weights we sucked our form sucked nothing felt right i was uncoordinated um i'm sure most people can relate you didn't just start especially compound movements yeah. you didn't start doing squats and going god this feels so smooth yeah i wanted to round back my deadlifts i wanted to shoot my hips up in the squat the bench felt so wobbly i couldn't stabilize the remember bar. remember the
0: and... shaking bench days or yeah.
1: like, <laughs> over time you get coordinated and you get used to it was just like anything when you start anything you're not you know public speaking you're not nat- you're not yeah, great it's, at it's it uncomfortable i right. mean you get better at things and that's the same way science works you get better at it but you have to start somewhere so how do you start out as a scientist and like what you said there's so many conflicting things how do you make your own how do you make your own decision come to your own yeah, conclusion as,
0: as a layman too where like you know they're never it's, they're not going to have a PhD like you they never will oh, right. that fortunately they don't nec- they don't need to at least to navigate I think to learn to navigate the space and avoid you know coming to the conclusion that eating 15 avocados a day is the secret to everything or something you know what I mean
1: so I think the the you want the goal should be for everyone to become their own authority, become your own guru. Like mm-hmm. don't don't listen to the don't you don't you like, but I shouldn't say that because um, knowledge is so uh, specified now, like so niched. It's I can't I I have a research review, and I did this on purpose. And I remember telling my my partner Chris Beardsley, who I do the co-founder, Chris Beardsley, who I do it with, I said, no matter how popular I ever get or if I start making way more money, I never want to outsource this because doing this each month, I go through 92 journals every month. Wow. And these are journals in strength and conditioning, biomechanics, physiology, anatomy, motor control, yeah, um, so that's how
0: you keep yourself sharp. That's physical how you therapy,
1: stay. Yeah, physical therapy, nutrition, sports medicine. So it's all all aspects of health and fitness. And even then, the guys who I speak with around the world, Brad Schoenfeld, knows more than I do about hypertrophy physiology. Hmm. I know more about biomechanics, but that's why we get along because our stuff jives with one another. Yeah. Alan Aragon is my go-to guy with the nutrition stuff, but even we have researchers we look up to and, and mm. they know more about certain things, but they might not know how it applies to bodybuilders or something. You know? sure. So it's like, yeah. so there's, there's guys who will know more practical things. There's guys who know more scientific things. There's guys who are better communicators of the science. And so you have to have people who you trust. I have my trusted team, but even then I've caught them. <laughs> we're all wrong about things. Yeah. Brad, Brad's my one of my best buddies um and I don't agree with everything he says I just know his intentions are true he's a good scientist and he would change his mind given enough evidence you yeah. mentioned Gary Tobbs earlier I, I was there when Alan Aragon debated Gary Tobbs, and Alan said just out of curiosity Gary if enough evidence came out against this you know sugar being the root of all evils would you change your mind and he said no would you so that that there like end of story <laughs> What? He said that in front of a big crowd of people, and it's like, okay, That's, so, what is
0: that? That's just like, uh, uh, wait a
1: minute, like, did you just say that on live TV? Kind of, thing? you just say that, right? So it was like, when you hear that, that person's no longer a scientist; they are a fanatic. They are a whatever. You know, you're a charlatan. You're a guru. You're a well, guru is actually a good meaning. We I've turned it into mean in a negative thing, but um, right. But like I, I, no, I mean
0: at that point it's more about selling an ideology than it's just doing science.
1: You're looking to defend your, you know, to confirm your bias. You're not looking to 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 uncover the truth. But anyway,
0: I mean, there's a there's a funny quote I don't know who I got from, but basically, like it's if it's in someone's if, if someone's like livelihood depends on not understanding something don't expect them to ever understand it it's just like so when you build your you know as a personal as a person especially if you're out making money and your whole brand revolves around something that'll that per, that, that 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 I don't that person's never abandoning that ever
1: right i mean well it's funny cuz i am popular in the industry for my glute stuff and my hip thrust exercises and i published research on it but i've been asked to pe- peer review two papers on hip thrusts now and I have to be very impartial. And I have to say, oh God, am I, yeah, am I being, uh, am, am I being seeing what I want to see? impartial, or? right. So I, ha- I work very hard to be impartial, and it's hard because, yeah, my popularity is based on this. W- what if, you know, there's there's a, a some colleagues I heard of a study showing that bar, they did heavy barbell hip thrust for eight weeks, and it didn't improve sp- speed development. And mm. I've been I've been coming out with this. So I haven't seen the paper yet, but if it gets published, I have to say, okay, why is this? First of all, I did a I did a study for my PhD thesis that showed that it did improve sprint speed. So what's the? How do we reconcile these? But ultimately, if I'm if I'm a scientist, then there's no emotions. It's just logic. It's just science. It's no there's no how dare you researchers come across, like publish this. It can't be true. It's thank you guys for, you know, adding, 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 adding to the collective
0: understanding.
1: Yep. You added to the collective understanding and uh, hopefully a couple more studies come out and then we can figure out maybe it works well for a certain population or a stage of development. Maybe it works well when you combine it with this. Um, You know, we, we have, there's so much more research that needs to be done just in that area. but, Anyway, so you want to have your trusted people, but even then, even with, like, Alan Aragon, I might go to him for, like, you know, nutrition-related stuff, like meal timing and everything. And um, But if I really want to form my own opinion, I have to pull up all the research and read the studies myself yeah. and yeah. scrutinize their methodology and then, you know, read the discussions, read what the authors had to say. Talk to Alan about it. And then, you know, you might, because you might find something unique in that in those studies where you're like, hmm, every time they did this, this happened. So you might come to a slightly different conclusion. That yep. happens a lot. Yep. And let me tell you about just the guys in strength and conditioning, just the guys who study hypertrophy science. There's myself, there's Brad Schoenfeld, there's Stu Phillips, there's Greg Knuckles, uh, Andrew Vygotsky, Eric Helms, James Krieger. Uh, who else? <clears throat> we all disagree with each other, all of us. Yeah, In different, um, th- on different things, sure. Mano, Mano Hanselman, yeah. Like, we all disagree with each other on certain things. And we've all read the same studies. But we all have different practical experiences. We have different genetics. We have different experiences training ourselves, training others. Yep. Different interpretations of the same data. Yep. You know, Mano and Eric uh, argue about protein. They ha- They know these studies like the back of their hand, and they – they just interpret it differently. But they're both scientists. I trust them both. I know they're not um, lying I mean, also, we what we are
0: looking at, like, they're not arguing that you need to eat protein. They're, they're not saying that, like, no, you, didn't, you don't need proteins. You, you just need Brazil nuts. Right,
1: like, right. <laughs> they're, they're, they're arguing about whether it's, you know, like, whether it's, like, point... Seven grams exactly. per pound of body versus or a gram, body. which is
0: kind of funny because people email me on that in particular. Because I, I, I generally I tell people eh, if you're around point eight to one gram per pound, you're good. There's maybe a little bit of evidence if you're if you're somebody that's muscular and you're lean and you want to get really lean, that eating a bit more might be beneficial. But you know, so I get people that will email me not to challenge me to be like well what about like this 0.7 or whatever i'm like honestly okay i mean fine if you want
1: but like if you is it really that big of a do we really care like, you know In the like, grand scheme of things that's not right and and i think there we talk about flexible dieting and it's like your protein should be flexible a little bit yeah. you don't need to be so hardcore that every day i get one gram per pound yeah you, you, people get so caught up with their macros that they yep. You can be flexible with your macros. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I tell people, fast. like,
0: how about this? Just be around a gram per pound yep. per day and mm-hmm. give or take some, and I think you're going to be fine.
1: <laughs> it's like a three-day rolling average. If one yeah. day you're at 0. 0.7, one day you're at 1.2, it's fine. But that's a whole other topic. So about yep. this science thing. Um,
0: so yeah. So like just for example, um, I just know even from someone years ago when I first kind of got into the more the evidence-based and away from where I decided to really educate myself on really is. So if you're looking at the landscape out there, one of the things that, you know, I had first had to, to get a sense of is uh, a bit of the basics of scientific research. And, you know, we'll talk about, for example, like, because at it, it first when I was kind of from a, a newbie, basically outside looking in, where I'd be like, so how exactly does that work where like you have, you know, this study is going to conclude one thing, and this study is going to conclude the exact opposite. So, like, you know, there's some. Sometimes people, I will even get emailed with people send me email some study, and they'll be like, "See, look, you can't build muscle on low reps. This showed, da, da, da. and then on the other hand, you can't build muscle on high reps. See this, and and then so that's confusing for people. Maybe you can lend a little bit of insight in terms of what's going on behind the scenes with. Yep you know study design and execution and then there's Well
1: even before even before we get into the study design sure. stuff sure. let's talk about the process of trying to become more scientific cuz okay. that's hard so i i you follow my evolution in the fitness industry i was a personal trainer on the side i was a high school math teacher and eventually i realized i want to do this full time but i was mainly a personal trainer i did not have higher i had a master's degree in education curriculum and instruction I had no experience with reading scientific literature, but I was always a scientifically minded person. My grandpa was an engineer. He gave me like, you know, I'd always loved science, but he gave he's got me a subscription to Discover magazine and books by like Einstein and Richard Feynman or Feynman who say it like So I was scientifically minded, but even then and I can tell you're the same way, Mike, you're very scientifically minded, but we had to go through that whole you first start searching online, and you come. You first, the first people you're going to come across are the more markety types yep. who know the right search terms and stuff. Yep. And you stumble on their blogs and their writings, and then you you take it as gospel because they're very convincing. And also, and,
0: they might also look the look like you look. You're like, hey, I don't know. I mean, it'd be like if you're trying to get into golf and you someone's really good at golf, you're going to be like, yo, so like, teach me something, right? Because you're obviously so good at this.
1: That's so true. If they look the part, if they're shredded. Or are they, the, f- females want to, to do the program of the the, the pro- whoever has the be- body they like most. They want to be doing her program. Men do that too, but even more so with females. And but there's such a genetic component to things that person may. Well, I always do this in my seminars. I show them Jen Selter. She's popular for her butt, uh, uh, her bell it's, feet. It's so probably butt, so. fake, though, right? I mean, come on. I think it's it's real, but you think so? she just has such good, yeah, I do. It's hmm. she has such good glute genetics. I always show her program which is on bodybuilding.com it has her workout mm. and I can tell it's like her real workout I don't think it's her vague, workout I don't know <laughs> but, but it's it's like it would not even be a good warm up for Mike. I mean it's like it wow. wouldn't even be a good warm up but yeah. that's all she has to do and if she did my program maybe she'd look too I don't know like I <laughs> I always you know maybe I'd make her look not nah, you can't say how someone should look but sure. for her liking it might be too muscular for her liking yeah she might get too too muscular all over and not have as much of a feminine look as she likes but for the average person with regular glute genetics you have to do everything possible to uh to you get know, him, to, yeah to just get into where yeah. to get to get to glute shape but so let's say you're You're looking at how much protein should I eat? And you start typing in search terms into Google. That's how we all start out. And you get on these blogs, blog posts, and it might be someone legit. It might not be. But you just start reading blogs for the most part because that's all you know. And then as you keep progressing, you stumble upon more experts and more experts. And you realize, well, they disagree with one another. This guy thinks this. This guy thinks this. And then if you keep... And but they up, might
0: be citing scientific research, too, which makes it even more confusing because you're yep. like,
1: I don't know. I mean, Right. And I remember, um, Mike, we talked about this before we started the podcast about kind of intermittent fasting and how you're going to see a little bit better. Yeah, you know, maybe you get to see 85% of your resu- muscle gain through that, but you have 15% left on the table if you spread your protein out more frequently. And I remember talking to Alan Aragon about that. and. I just brought it up to him, and he's like, okay, so this was like five years ago, and he says, okay, so there's three studies on the topic right now. The first study says this, and he summarized it for me. The second study says this, and yet the third study says this. So here's what the intermittent fasting community clings to this study, and then these people, the you know higher frequency people cling to this study, yeah. But really, they should be considering all three studies. And so here's the problem. The average person, first of all, they don't even access, have access to studies. You yes. can't read them unless you, – you, the w- reason why I can access studies is that I still have my AUT login for my PhD, so I can log into my university library, yep. online library, and download the studies. If you can't do that, they're so ridiculously priced. They're like thirty dollars to buy the study. Who the yep. hell is going to do that? No one. Yep. Do you, like know, May- um, do you know Deep Dive? Deep. Uh, In- it's Deep D Y V E. Oh, does that help you get studies
0: for? Yeah, free? yeah, and, and yeah, not for free. No, no, you you pay. Like it's a legit, okay. it's a legit service. You pay. A, I think they switched to a monthly model actually now, and it's but it's affordable. Um, so I've I've liked Deep Dive. Like so yeah, I'm not for. Well, I mean, now there's also-
1: like there's ResearchGate. But this it's is expensive where, though.
0: I, I just like deep dive because it's a, it's a, it's actually affordable and it, 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 you know, you are paying and the money is going to where it needs to go. Like it's a legit service. Okay. Um, you know, so just throwing no, that but out that's there.
1: That's a good solution because otherwise you're going to be paying an arm and a leg and no yeah. one will do it. You just won't even do it. So you got to figure out a way to access the studies. But then even if you can access them, you, you don't have the skills to scrutinize those studies. And this is where I said, it takes time. I'm really good at scrutinizing strength and conditioning training studies because I've been a personal trainer for so many years. So if I see a study that's using one training intervention versus another and I can say, well, okay, that group's actually doing more volume than the other. That group's doing more. This isn't isn't set up fairly. Or maybe it's, yeah, that's perfect. That's a perfect study design. I'm not so good at critiquing you know, studies out of my interest. And I'm not that good at statistics. So first of all, just to read the, you read the methods and then you read the, you know, the, how they are, how they're going to conduct their stats. And then you read the results and then, get and that's another thing. Even the best stat- statistics people, they all disagree with one another. Mm. And so the statistics in, in and of itself is this daunting field where you got, so, you have so much to learn. Yep. And I've learned enough about certain things to form my opinion about like post hoc corrections and things like that. And I'm going, this is so stupid. Why would I do a comprehensive study measuring 10 different variables if I have to then divide alpha by 10 and now my P value isn't 0.05, it's 0.005. It discourages good research and you just trade the likelihood of committing a type, uh, a type one error with a type two error. But I don't, but that's all stuff that you learn as a researcher, as a and, that probably didn't make sense to anyone listening to this. But exactly.
0: That's the, that's what they run into where they're like, right. you say that and stuff it, and they're like, uh, okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Great. Now – and it made them feel horrible. But <laughs> what I can tell you is in eight years of being in fitness, right? I think I started blogging eight years ago but I started personal training when I was 20. So I started lifting when I was 15. So I've been lifting for 25 years. I've been personal training for 20 years. I've been becoming more scientific for eight years. And you can <laughs> – we're gonna. This is our field. We're gonna be in it for a long time. The cool thing is, it's just like with your physique. Yeah, you might not reach your dream physique ever, but you might not reach it for five years. But each year, you look better. Yep. And each year, as a scientist, you get better. Yep. And I can. I don't post a lot of my older blogs um, on. I I, I'm embarrassed by them because I learn so much every year that it's like embarrassing to me yeah I've I've gone through stuff I've written
0: previously and just rewritten it honestly like yeah just because you know certain articles were popular that they weren't it's not like they were terrible but there was just things where either I now have learned new things that basically like this needs to be updated or I just think it needs more context or something I did that with my books as well I've gone through and revised and I'm fine with that. Like I'm fine to say that's like, how it I've be. absolutely been wrong on things in the past and I'm probably wrong on things right now, but at least I'm, I'm, I'm more right than wrong. So that's good. I think at least with the things that matter the most in terms of getting the results I want to get with people, I'm more right than wrong and I'm continually striving to get more right. So,
1: and you're open-minded to the fact that you're wrong about things. That's what's huge. So that's what I tell people in my seminars. I always say like, I'm, I guarantee you I'm wrong about several things i'll tell you today uh you know five years from now i'll look back and go oh god that was wrong that was wrong we were wrong about a lot of things and that's what the the term bro science has become popular oh that's bro science well yeah you can okay so picture this i want to get jacked and i can either and my two options of getting jacked are go to the gym and talk to 10 or like talk to five Jack dudes and just kind of follow what they tell me to do or start reading about hypertrophy and like fat loss on PubMed and, and researching it. Yeah. I will see so much better results if I just listen to the five Jack dudes (laughs) because they can tell me all sorts of good advice. The problem is they're not scientists. And so some of the stuff they tell you will be complete wrong. Yeah. Completely wrong. And so this is what I like about, like what I've learned along the way about, Getting in shape. It doesn't have to be as hard as we thought. Like, certain things we've been wrong about. I can think of a bunch of things. Hormones. We used to say, Mm -hmm. and I was the king of this. I told every client, you've got to do squat. You want big arms? Squat and deadlift. Because squats and deadlifts jack up your testosterone levels. And that courses through your bloodstream and attaches to the receptors. Everything grows. Every muscle cell and everything grows. That's why big dudes who squat and deadlift, they're always jacked. That's not true at all. It gets the muscles that are worked (laughs) more muscular and it doesn't have an effect on your biceps or the muscles that are not activated during the squat. Right. Um, We were wrong about that. We were wrong about if you want to lift, you want to get jacked, you have to lift heavy. There are now about 20 studies that show whenever it's light loads versus heavy loads, as long as they're close to failure, you see the same exact amount of muscle growth. There's about 22 studies on the topic now we've been wrong a about um fasted cardio uh, is not more beneficial than non-fasted cardio meal timing we used to think you need to eat 6 to 8 meals a day to stoke the fire we were wrong about that yeah. and so you you can eat 3 times a day if you want or 8 times a day if you want you can you you can i remember reading all the bodybuilders and it was like i'm like god they all eat Chicken and like lean beef and tuna and like boiled lean, uh lean steamed broccoli and, and, and right. The the or, steamed broccoli and the the, the veggies there and there was the a bodybuilder like,
0: in a gym I used to go to his thing was tilapia and asparagus. That's yeah. so what you tell everybody. That's what all you need to eat. Tilapia and uh, asparagus.
1: And and <laughs> he, they don't he was
0: season. actually kind of insane.
1: <laughs> they don't season their foods and they just <laughs> and that all the carb sources were always like brown rice or oats, or whole wheat pasta, or like yep. whole wheat or something, and and it's like, God, what if you wanted like a yogurt? What if you wanted some orange juice? Like, what if you wanted, I was like, couldn't I just, I remember thinking this way back in the day going, why can't I just have, why couldn't I just substitute, like, I don't always crave potatoes. I don't yeah. always crave like, you know, sweet potatoes or whatever. I don't, sometimes I just want to have like, I crave like sweet things sometimes i want fruit sometimes i want um you know what if you like to drink a lot of milk uh does that you know can you just decrease some of your meats and some of your carbs and substitute the milk in and the bodybuilders back in the day when i was like 15 would, would say like no you have to eat these foods you have yeah. to eat clean and then like it was interesting to see this flexible dieting thing get more popular because you know you see like ronnie coleman Video DVDs back in the day, and it's like he's put putting barbecue sauce on things, and he's uh eating his French fries, and he yeah. he's doing flexible dieting whether yeah. he knows it or not. And same same with some of these other bodybuilders. And then you realize that it doesn't make a b- big difference if you substitute, as long as most of your foods, are because most people aren't like, okay, I have to get, I can get 300 grams of carbs a day. I'm going to get them all from Pop Tarts. Most yeah. people don't. Most people. But it, the reason why it's important is because it increases adherence. You yes. stick to the plan. And I used to be a terrible trainer. I thought I was amazing. But when I had my personal training studio, they all stuck to the BC diet. <laughs> That's what I called it, my initials. Yeah. It was like a palm-sized portion of meat and then, and then fill, fill the rest of the plate with salad or veggies and eat that like six times a day. And, and people would get shredded. And it's so irresponsible of me because they get shredded. And, and then they're I'd, like binge time. Right. And then, uh, you know, month one, they lose 25 pounds and they're so psyched. Well, if they're overweight, obviously, some yeah, people sure. need to gain weight. And if they need to gain weight, I'd have them have car, a bunch of cars. But like I gave them this rigid system that that was they'd be on the system. They would see great results. They'd get off the system and they would blow up. I did not teach them a sustainable system. So I, my dumb ego at the time, I thought, God, they need, these people need me to see results. It's pretty okay. pathetic. But when they're with me, they get, see great results. When they're not, they're not. Right. That's my dumbass fault for teaching them, for not teaching them a flexible system. I was feeding them a fish, not teaching them how to fish. And so yeah. I've learned a lot from those days, you know, what, 10, whatever, 10, you know, 12 years ago. But um, this is how we, we all evolve. We all start. You, if you if you don't look back at the stuff you were saying five years ago and cringe a little bit, then you're not learning enough. You're not yep. studying enough. And so how I think how, that applies to any area
0: of life. I mean, I think like if you look back at your worldview and the ideas you have about pretty much everything, and you know if not much has changed in five years, or if you're not looking back, going like, oh, that was pretty dumb." Uh, then
1: you're not, you're not growing you know, as an individual.
0: I, think, I mean, sure, yeah. there are some principles and values and things that we should probably just kind of stick to and shouldn't change all that much. But, you know, maybe how we manifest them or embody them can change. But I think that applies to a lot more than just what we're talking about.
1: But so so, how can someone, you know, how do you become more scientific? How do you, so, all right, you gotta use, learn how to use Google, PubMed, and Google Scholar to search for things. And try to find the studies. If someone's mentioning a, a a study in a blog post, type in the title that – highlight the title and hit search. Search on Google for it. And also
0: if you add file type colon PDF and then put the title into Google, just throwing that out there. If it is just out there somewhere, Google will pull it up. Um,
1: right. Because a lot of times someone uploaded this yep. to a forum or a server somewhere and you can actually get the full paper. Yep. So – um, so it's nice, so then you can peruse it. You won't understand everything, but like I said, becoming a good scientist takes time. If you do this for a couple of years, you'll start to figure it out. You'll start to be become a lot better at it. The I would thing also is,
0: say, I, I don't know if you agree, I would interject and say that it, it, what really helped me is um, diving into the terminology and the jargon and, and, yep. and understanding the words. <laughs> like I kind of yes. started there. What are the words these people are using and what do they mean? So... Um, I was kind of sensitive right. to that. So
1: yeah. look up words. Don't just skim over. Yeah. If you're studying biomechanics and it's and because a lot with, of these
0: let's things... start with biomechanics. Make sure you <laughs> understand what that word means. Right. right. You know
1: what I mean? a lot of like things have acronyms. RFD. What is? It? Don't <laughs> just skim over that. Go back and find. What does RFD mean? Rate of force development. What does that mean? Yeah. Okay. It's the slope of the. You know. So like, but I. D- okay. In a perfect world, we would have like. There'd be 30 studies on every single thing we wondered about, yeah. and enough to have a meta-analysis yep. and review papers where you're like, okay, what, uh, you know, think it's of all a topic. just
0: think, tied up with a nice little bow, and
1: right, yeah. and we can read it and go, okay, this is pretty obvious. It's pretty yep. clear that this is superior to this. This is what I need to be doing. But <clears throat> the a lot of the, for research, a lot of it's what gets funded. Because you know, follow the money. The, the people need money to conduct research. Universities need money and things like that. So, the things that get funded the most are like cancer research and obesity problems in the world that are crises. And a lot of and, our and stuff.
0: Not having big biceps, unfortunately, right, right.
1: big <laughs> biceps doesn't not rank very biceps. highly. It's not the highest list on the priority, so you're not I don't know to... if that's on the CDC
0: anywhere. Right, My right. Bi... <laughs> we have a small bicep. It it's a
1: good predictor of like you know all uh, uh, all cause mortality or something, and we, you know you, you. But anyway, not you, getting you... laid enough, right? <laughs> right, right. So there's not a, there's not always a lot of studies. Sometimes there are no studies, and that's what's frustrating for me. Sometimes I'll be like, okay, there has to be a study on this topic. And I search for it and I can't find it. So sometimes it's because you don't know the right terms to search for. Yep, and that's a that. whole skill in and of itself is what the hell terms do I use? So like if you're thinking of like the pump, is the pump, is getting a good pump good for hypertrophy? So what the hell do you type in? So I'd start it with Google and go like, you know, is the pump good for and you yeah, maybe know even
0: way. like study muscle pump or something and, and then see if right. you can just get lucky basically.
1: And, and But the studies use the term cell swelling and that's what Brad Schoenfeld linked. So this cell swelling research, so it's not – but Brad and I have a paper called The Muscle Pump that's published in SCJ but I actually don't think that's linked to PubMed so hmm. you'd find it on Google but not necessarily PubMed but – you have to learn the terminology, and that takes time. So, so over time, you want to learn the best researchers on the topic. You want to learn the best labs. You want to learn the best journals. And you can even subscribe. Do you want you to you wanna
0: drop any names just in your, like, you know, yeah, pe- sure. people, for are, people hy- are wondering, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, so for hypertrophy, it's, it's it's Brad Schoenfeld and Stu Phillips. Okay. But the best journals, if you're studying, want to study hypertrophy, there's Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, there's EJAP, European Journal of Applied Physiology, there's Scandinavian Journal of Sports Medicine, there's Journal of Science and Sports Medicine, what else, I know I'm missing some, but anyway, you got to learn these, oh, medicine and science and medicine, science and exercise, like the MS, I always just know the acronyms, like MSC, JSCR, but anyway. I go through all these journals every single month, month in and month out. Yeah, as you I say, re- you should
0: tell people about because this is, uh, I mean, I- I've found your work in this regard very
1: helpful and, you know, Aragon's review helpful. And Well, so, okay, so if you're, okay, so like, first of all, there's good people to follow online like my colleague Chris Beardsley. He makes infographics every day of these studies. It helps make sense oh, of cool. them. He also has an awesome I'm blog if you're course. into strength and conditioning and biomechanics. But you should be following these people on social media because they'll uh, – and tw- Twitter. Twitter is actually really good for following scientists. I follow so many of them and they mm. – whenever they publish a new study, they link it. And uh, so that's important. But y-
0: So I mean I think a good takeaway here is immersion. You have to immerse yourself yes. in it. You don't want to – it's not enough to – even I would say if just reading some of my stuff, like if that's all you're doing, if you're you're person listening, that's not enough. If you really want to get to, uh, the, the level where, like Brett was saying, where you're kind of becoming your own guru, you have to really fully immerse yourself. I don't, I don't pretend I'm a scientist. I just am trying to disseminate good facts and serve a, a, a certain market, uh, place and help people, you know, get into shape and so forth. And, um, I do what, what Brett is talking about, where I read a lot of stuff and I follow people who I trust and that helps a lot. And I'll throw one other thing out that helped me along the way is looking for meta analyses and review papers on things that like, if I want to know about something, I'll start there. Cause if there is something I found, those are, uh, I mean, they just helped me a lot, just kind of get my feet wet and, and get an understanding of, you know, where we're at, uh, in in, the, in not all, of course, some are better than others, but it just definitely helped me because it also written, I found like a bit more conversationally and you don't, you don't need to have tremendous technical knowledge necessarily to at least understand what you're reading about. Yeah. There are some words you're going to have to clarify, but it did it. that, 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 you know, still helps me today. I still do. I still do that.
1: Well, so this is where it gets a little intimidating and daunting, but it is important to know this. Okay. So let's say. I wanted to, let's say I wanted to say, what's better for my quads, the leg press or the squat? Okay, how would I answer that question as a researcher? Well, I could have them, I could use a force plate and show that, oh, they're they're pressing more, they're utilizing more force with the leg press than the squat, so that's better. I could utilize EMG and put electrodes on them and say, well, Actually, their vastus lateralis and medialis activity is actually higher in the leg, in the squat than the leg press, so that's better. I could use all sorts of tools that we have in sports science. We utilize force plates, EMG, ultrasound, uh, isokinetic dynamometers, um, motion capture. Uh, you know, we we utilize we have our tools of the trade and we have our ways of answering things, but these are all mechanisms we're studying. Really. You need a training study because we can come up with all sorts of yep. cool nifty theories. Yep. But uh, Richard does it translate? that Richard, if, if yep. theory does not match experiments, then it's wrong. No matter how eloquent or yep. how logical it seems, It it's wrong. So that the, the experiments have to match. So you have to have training studies. We call them. So mechanistic, there are mechanistic studies, which are cross-sectional. They, these are good for like researchers because they usually can, you can collect all the data in a couple of weeks. But when you do a training study, which is longitudinal, now you have to have an intervention, and it's a pain in the ass because you got to train. Just to it.
0: define we that meaning, it just it's over time; it's going to take. Huh? Yeah. Just so people
1: know what you are talking about. Yeah. So you have to take like however long you make the training study. Maybe it's eight weeks long. Yep. You got to pretest them, train them for eight weeks, and then posttest them. And there is so much involved in these studies, but. Everything has a an inherent flaw with it. EMG, EMG measures the electrical activity of muscles. It doesn't exactly predict the growth. There's more things to muscle growth than just the electrical signal, and there's things that can Im- impact the electrical signal too, especially hmm. with fatigue. Force plates, cool. That shows you ground reaction force, but it doesn't show you the muscle for the individual muscle forces. Yep. Uh, even with things like muscle modeling, where you use these complex models to determine things. Well, that relies on assumptions made by the author to model things. You have to make assumptions yep. when you do review papers, that's these authors interpretation of the research. You might have a different you're, They might have biases yep. uh, even in review papers, even in meta analysis. You have to set the, the guidelines. As yeah, to the what, what, yeah. yeah. The parameters. Yeah. Yeah. The parameters of what you'll accept. Yep. And it might, you and might, it be might be a
0: hundred percent bias. Like you're saying, like, that could be a, uh, The research, there's an agenda here and they are going to be pre-selecting for what they want type of thing.
1: Now, the good thing is most researchers are in it for the right reasons. Right. Uh
0: Especially, I mean, I would say, I think, I don't know if you'd agree, but in in the strength and conditioning space, it seems like if we were talking something with a ton of money involved, like pharmaceutical, eh, then then maybe it's harder to know really what's going down in some cases when you have billions of dollars floating around.
1: Absolutely. And so... Um, you do have, you know, rumors come out of this person's a bad egg and, you know, but there really are not most of us. And I think the guys I mentioned earlier, all the guys who I follow and they follow yeah. me, we give each other the benefit of the doubt. We don't always agree with each other, but we yeah. know that, you know, that like we, we, we talk a lot and we'll you wouldn't do that if you weren't trying to uncover the truth. Yeah, we're all like in the matrix trying to figure out what the hell the the answer is and (laughs) and we're trying to figure out we all we all know we don't have all the answers but we uh it's good to to get that red pill yeah we all it's good to have colleagues and that's something that took me a lot of time is uh when i started out i had no friends in the industry and now i'm friends with all the top people and i'm i do not take that for granted it's i'm so lucky to have a phone call away all these people but anyway, it, it, what do you do when studies when there's when there's conflicting studies what you mentioned earlier one study shows this one study shows this and the average person is not skilled enough to say okay this study had only 12 subjects this study had Well, that, I think that's a good segue into do you want to give a couple examples of what, you know, poor design
0: or poor execution might look like and if you have any examples that come off the top of your head, sure, you know, if they're I'll t- I think
1: of one classic one that I always talk about. This yeah. one made me so mad because it got it got um, all the Olympic weightlifter types like posted on Facebook and social media to say like, look, Olympic weightlifting is superior to kettlebells. And uh, th- what made me mad is that the study design looked at like an Olympic weightlifting protocol versus a kettlebell training protocol on functional performance, like vertical jump and things like that. Okay. Okay. If you were going to do that, you would say, "All right, the." you have to equate like load and effort as much as you can. Right. The problem is there aren't kettlebells that go up and up, but in this study, I think the heaviest kettlebells, kettlebells they used were like 16 kgs or something. That's like 35 pounds. Yeah. So here you have one group doing like front squats and like hang cleans and stuff with like a shit ton of weight. And then yeah. the other group using these light ass kettlebells to doing do like goblet squats or something, little goblet squats and swings with, and, it, and, That would be all fine and dandy if they didn't make heavy kettlebells, but they do. I have a, I have a two hundred three pounder. I have a hundred six pounder. I have a hundred fifty seven pounder. So you could have just used heavier dumbbells or heavier kettlebells. Yeah, make them work. And then it would be more. My guess is that you'd see very similar results. So then, uh, then the, so the question
0: then is like a person, I'm sure people listening be like, so why does that happen? Like, isn't that pretty obvious? That's just simple and logical. You don't need to have a PhD to be like, yo, so like, does that make sense that they're using 30 pound kettlebells and then, you know, lifting heavy ass weight?
1: So you, you expect, okay. So it's, so because of humans, so science is perfect. Science is the study of the way stuff works in the universe. But humans are flawed. Our brains are flawed. We have biases. We have – And we have bank accounts. We have have bank accounts. We have the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yep. We have – we think we're a lot smarter than we are. Yep. We don't know. We're we're unaware of what we're naive about. And so is peer-reviewed research better than blogs? Hell yeah. Is it perfect? Hell no. Um, And so – you just need to understand that, know that, like, you know, so to get published, you got to conduct, you know, you got to get ethics approval, you conduct the study, then you submit it for publication, you go through rounds of peer review, they come back to you, they, they almost never say, oh, yep, we accept this. That's never happened to me. It's always either minor revisions, major revisions, or rejected. Um, and, you know, you work with the peer reviewers and then hopefully you can satisfy them and then it gets accepted. But the peer reviewers might be, in that case they were lax yep or maybe they just maybe
0: that wasn't their their thing like they would they don't know enough about training to really know why that's so important so
1: ideally you can get peer reviewers um that know the subject matter well but that that's (laughs) peer reviewing is free it's not a, a i get asked to peer review all the time and i always accept i always have like one article on peer reviewing but i have to reject a lot because i don't have time sure so there are flaws with research because of humans. And it's good, you know, but like I said, you might, if if early on in your career you read that study, you'd be like, oh, Olympic lifting is way better than kettlebells. And then as you become more advanced, you could see the flaws in the study design. And that's one good thing about forums. You know, forums, they can be good and they can be really bad. But sometimes in forums you can have a smart guy that just likes to – Show off his knowledge and he can help point out. But you are know, there any, are there any
0: forums that you personally participate in or that you like?
1: No, and okay. I've never been highly involved in any forum, but either. Um, I, I can't even recommend any because, but anyway, I think that that's where you can have someone who's because it's like you I, ideally we'd all have someone to teach us, like, okay, here's the problem with this study it, yeah. it, it does show this, it doesn't show. You know, uh, Brad just posted. just published a paper last year or the year before on rest time in between sets and showed that three minutes was better than one minute, okay, for both strength and hypertrophy. Well, he didn't look at two minutes. Maybe two minutes was ideal. He didn't look at that. And the other thing is, so the three minutes, good, it's better for hypertrophy, but it takes longer. Yeah. So they equated volume, or they equated like number of sets, but... What if you instead took a different look at it and said, "In 20 I've got yeah. 30 minutes to work out. What's Should better? I be resting three minutes? They didn't equate like I have a 30-minute window. Yeah, they're yeah. saying
0: you have you have infinite time.
1: Who cares? Yep. Yeah. Right. So that's a whole different design and question. So it takes so long to get to that point. But yep. you get better every few months. And then that's months, where you can bit.
0: learn to make educated guesses yourself. And at least you're coming from a place of <sighs> – some understanding, so, you know.
1: And, oh, which, by the way, uh, that's a perfect way to wrap this part up, is to say, look, you're never, I like the term science-based, or evidence-based, because evidence is evidence is, comes in all forms. Yeah. It's not just published research. I always say this, your knowledge comes in, well, your knowledge in strength and conditioning, and fitness and nutrition, all that comes in three parts it's like a, a a pie chart you know one third one third of your knowledge is from what you've learned working with yourself and <laughs> training yourself mm-hmm. going to the gym lifting weights
0: yeah where people there's things and no one can tell you that didn't work or you know what i mean right or, you know, just
1: trying different diets trying supplements and you realize that didn't work that did nothing i just wasted my money um and and that's a third of your knowledge but we're very unique, and actually when you publish research, this is what you learn. Okay, this is a whole different topic. I don't want to get too so, – so I'll I'll address this in a minute. The other third comes from what you learn working with other people. Mm-hmm. If all you've done is work by yourself, then you just tell you're, – you're, this is my problem with people who go to non-coaches on Instagram and stuff, and will you yeah. write me a program, that person will just give you the exact program he does, and it may or may not work well for you or she, he or she. And they don't haven't worked with enough people to individualize it towards you. And I can't tell you how much different we all are and how much I've learned just from working with so many different people. You you learn so much. And when you study the research on genetics and individuality, it's crazy. I'll, I'll elaborate on that in a minute. Then the final third is what you learn through reading research, attending seminars and conferences, reading blogs, reading articles. Education, yeah. Education exactly. So it's one-third, one-third, one-third. So any if you don't train people, you can't uh you're I, I missing look out strength, on yeah. Yeah, you're missing out. If you don't lift weights yourself, I look at some strength coaches who don't lift weights, and I'm like, how can you evaluate a new exercise or protocol yeah. if you don't try it out yourself? Yeah. And then if you just learn through <laughs> training yourself and training others and never read anything or try to learn, then you're missing out. So it's all three. And so you never want to ignore your personal experiences. You just have to know that you know that's an n equals one or that's a yeah that n equals one means one person yeah it's not a you, it's you know, it
0: can it can be i mean at least it gives context but it it isn't
1: necessarily uh, you could have had an law. outlier i mean yeah you could have had an outlier who yep. would respond really well to anything or who wouldn't respond to anything that's why you need ample sample size to wash out the effects of yeah. you know of, of, of individuality but speaking of individuality When you actually publish data, when you actually conduct experiments, it's really cool because you can see, like, I've conducted so many EMG experiments on my clients, probably 30 different clients at least. And I can tell you that, you know, some people, their glutes activate more when they go heavier and heavier in the hip thrust. Some people do not. Some people top out at 50% of one rep max and their glutes don't activate more. But they can do way more reps with Lighter loads, so I'd be stupid to give those people heavy hip thrusts some people use their glutes well during the 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 Some people get more glute activation in a light goblet squat compared to heavy back squat Same with kettlebell deadlifts versus conventional deadlifts other people not Yeah, um some people don't use their glutes to lock out the deadlift very much Hmm. Some people do and it's and you look at their form and it looks pretty good Some people get a lot of glute activity versus abduction exercises Mm -hmm. And other people not, and so what I do is i i'll EM, I'll test these people with their muscle activity and then I'll write them a program based on what works best for them and then I see I see amazing results with my clients this way mm. but the problem is there's no place giving you know extensive EMG testing where you can go in hook your muscles up to electrodes and do a bunch of different exercises and say this is what works best for me yep so how do you so how do you <laughs> how do you make judgments well you use the research, but you also just pay attention while you're lifting. You know, people are usually right when they say, I feel my muscles working yeah. more when I do it this way compared yeah. to this way. I like this technique. And I've read all the bodybuilders back in the day. I would read, I love reading what they, because it gave me new things to try. But it didn't, I didn't always like it more. It just you try enough things and you learn, I like this technique. You know, I never liked wide grip seated rows. I don't Mm. feel this at all. Some Mm. people love them. But it's very arrogant to think, oh, because I don't like them. No one else will. That's why you you work with people. And you get this large toolbox as a personal trainer when you work with a ton of people. And I can always find a great program for someone. I can help them arrive at it because of my toolbox.
0: Because you've been there. When they say, yeah, that doesn't work for me, you understand that. And you're like, I, yeah, okay, if that one doesn't work for you, especially if you understand biomechanics like you do, you can be
1: like, all right, cool, then why don't we try
0: this and see if that
1: makes sense. But we're talking strength and conditioning. It's the same way with nutrition. It's the same way with um, – so my buddy James Krieger and I wrote an article on individual differences, and it's crazy, things you don't think about. But, oh, real quick, when you publish the data, you see this whole range of responses, and if you plot them – you see this guy whether it's EMG or train or strength gains or muscle size gains this person gained 20% increased hypertrophy this person lost 3%. Hmm. He he worked out for 8 weeks and lost 3% of his muscle mass. How did that happen? <laughs> and and everything in the middle. It's like m- so mysteries. You have the mean but then yeah. you have the range, you know yeah. the max and the minimum, the extremes. And so You see, like if I would have given put this person this this, and so then you can think of your clients and go, okay, like I know that I've looked at Brad Brad Schoenfeld and James Krieger's meta analyses on volume, on frequency, on all these things. But I have my client that seems to get a lot of muscle damage. She doesn't recover fast. Mm -hmm. If I give her too much, I run her into the ground. Yep. I have to train her with less volume and less frequency. Yeah,
0: I've come across a lot of people like that. Probably honestly because a lot of my crowd. Or I would say, um, mid-20s, 30s, and, and above. Um, so I've seen that with people, not so much in their 20s, but definitely with people, even my age, I'm 32, and then in people in their 40s that, yeah, theoretically, it might be better if they were to, to get a bit more weekly volume or even up the intensity, but the recovery is
1: just not there. So research gives you a good starting point, but only you can determine what works best for you. Things that people don't think about, okay, you want to start doing HIIT training, high-intensity interval training. Does it make you hungrier? Does it affect your sleep? Yep. Does it then make you less motivated during your strength workout? How do the, you know, um, does it affect your NEAT? Are you sluggish the rest of the day? Yep. All these things matter. It's not just this black or white, well, the research says this. I want to know what happens when you start doing high-intensity interval training. If it doesn't impact your sleep and it blunts your appetite, and it tends to get you supercharged the next yeah, day. Yeah, and you don't oh, and you don't
0: mind it. You're willing to do it.
1: Yeah, and it's not that grueling for you. Then great. But if it for me, it interferes with my sleep. Mm. It, it it just puts it, too much it, stress on your body. I get hungry as hell, and it's hard because I'm going. You can give me a macro plan, and I won't stick to it because yeah. I wake. I have trouble sleeping, and then finally, I'm like, my stomach's growling in the middle of the night. What are you gonna do? I, yeah. like, sleep is actually more important than hitting my macros, I'm going to eat. I'm going to raid the fridge so I can freaking sleep. Yeah. And so you have to consider all these different things, and everyone's different. And yeah. that's <laughs> – science is science is perfect. It's the, it's the study of the universe and the way things work. This is – published research is one component to science. The scientific method is a component of science. It's So don't, never blame science itself. You can blame humans and you can <laughs> – you can blame but it's an it's an evolving process and we all should ge- we all should very much care about science we all should strive to be scientific because not only will you see better results you'll also save a lot of money not falling for gimmicks
0: yep and that that and that's a big part of what i just uh, that's part of my story essentially is and what I was, what I even, why I even got to this was why I originally fo- wrote the first book that I wrote was basically that like, God, I could have saved so much time and money and just frustration if I would have just known like 10 things. Uh, and so I'm going to put those 10 things in a book and try to make them really easy to understand. And, and that's there. That was the beginning was like, here, here's a tears. Here's me writing a book for old, you know, past me, uh, at, you know whatever it's 8 years ago this is what i wish i would have been well, i wish someone would have given me this book because shit it would have been much uh I, I would i would be much further ahead than i than i am now you know what i mean
1: so anyway i th- this i think this is a good ending point for yep. we we've, we've hit a this we've hit this topic really well and then maybe down the road you can have me on and we can discuss other topics but i'm really glad we we addressed this because it's such a critical topic and uh and no one talks about it enough you know <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely you know what also what make a what might make an interesting follow up discussion is just because you stay on top of the research in the way that you do uh, it might be cool if if there were enough material to fill a podcast of so you know we have the basics of fat loss and muscle and strength building you know at least we we have those puzzle pieces on the board and we see how they kind of fit together what the variables are it's taped to to one degree or another I think the If we're using the puzzle analogy, it's probably this puzzle. We just don't know how far it goes and we don't know what the whole picture is and it's going to continue for the rest of our lives. But at least we've come to, I think, a good basic understanding. Um, you know, and, and now we're looking at as things just like you were saying earlier with the protein, like, okay, we we can all agree that eating a relatively high protein diet is conducive to muscle building and strength gain. Cool. And now we're talking about optimizing. So how, okay. So how frequently, how much did it do? What types of protein, uh, and so forth. So maybe we could have a discussion on some of the more interesting research that have, that has come out recently and what's on the horizon and kind of like, it's almost just what is really, what's got your attention. You know what I mean?
1: There, I, I, yeah, I, some things right away come to mind. Cool. And then um, we should so we should dark.
0: we should line it up. It'd be fun. Like I'm interested. And I know. I think a lot of listeners would be interested as well.
1: Yeah, a lot of people aren't aware. There's some interesting controversies uh, right now in the field, and a couple of researchers out there mixing it up. And we need to get to the bottom of it. But yeah, that would make for a good follow up. So. Mike, this has been great. I very much enjoyed talking to you before the podcast and talking shop and then having you on. You asked really good questions, so I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And I'd love to come on whenever you want.
0: Yeah, let's do it again. And let's before we end here, let's just let everybody know where they can find you um, and if you have any particular products or services that you think they should know about in particular.
1: So – the name is Brett Contreras. If you don't remember my name, Brett Contreras, you can type in the glute guy. Yep. Uh, I'm big on glutes. And this glutes. is
0: actually why I didn't want to have you on to talk glutes because I was like, dude, right. he's every I, – I, he'll just – I want him to like
1: – I want to do just for his sake. Let's talk about right. something else. Right. Thank you. Yeah, every podcast is just all glutes. The yeah, whole time. so that's uh, – I actually I thought that would get your attention phrase. like, oh, someone right. that
0: actually wants to talk about something other than yeah, glutes. Yeah, no,
1: this was good. And, and I, I love talking about other things. But if you type in The Glute Guy or Brett Contreras, you get my blog. And from my blog, you can find all my social media channels. I'm on Twitter. I'm on mm-hmm. Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. And I have a blog. And I have a newsletter. And I never spam people. I don't do affiliate stuff. It's yep. just... Same. Here's my articles that I came out with, and yep, same. here's the stuff I'm working on, and you know, so I so I only send out like one newsletter a month, but yep. it's all the stuff that I've been doing, and so you can subscribe to that, and and then the
0: research yep. review again. I mean, it's topical, obviously, is what we're talking about.
1: Yep, I've got the research review, uh, which I do with Chris Beardsley, That's called Strength and Conditioning Research, and that's a good. blog. You want to be reading that blog because uh, Chris puts out really good material on that yeah, blog. I like it. Yeah. So, and I like and how much
0: like it's it's you guys do a good job explaining things, um, in a way that anyone can understand them, which is is helpful and appreciated.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's not always easy with biomechanics, but no, yeah,
0: yeah, no, I understand. Okay, awesome. So I think that's everything. Thanks again, Brett. Great conversation. I know everyone's I gonna like it. I think
1: we kept this under an hour, which is a miracle with me. So I'm same, actually. Like
0: that—that's that's probably one of the most common YouTube comments I get is like, "Yo, these are cool, but they're like really long." <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, whatever. That's that. It's a podcast, yeah. so I started I, well, doing I shorter. We, I started doing just, shorter videos to to appease you know. So the, well, I think it
1: was a good strategy. We talked ourselves out a little bit before that we recorded. So yeah, true. We've got some fatigue going on. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks again, and we'll we'll, we'll line up the next one. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Hey, it's Mike again. Hope you like the podcast. If you did, uh, go ahead and subscribe. I put out new episodes every week or two um, where I talk about all kinds of things related to health and fitness and general wellness. Also, head over to my website at www.muscleforlife.com, where you'll find not only past episodes of the podcast, but you'll also find uh, a bunch of different articles that I've written. Um, I release a new one almost every day, actually. I release kind of like four to six new articles a week. Um, and you can also find my books and
1: everything else that I'm involved in over at muscleforlife.com. All right. Thanks again. Bye.